Hey, senorita, really nice to meet ya. Have some tequila and this week on Squats and Margaritas, it's my friend Emily Bingham. We met out in San Diego four years ago when neither of us had childcare and wanted to get in a workout. Emily founded Crybaby Fitness. I wrote about it in my book. We would put our babies on a mat in the middle of a playground, and then we would lunge and squat around it to nursery rhymes, and it was everything. It brought me to her, and she's such an amazing, inspiring woman. Unfortunately, since then, Emily suffered a great loss in her life, and I wanted to check in to see how she's doing, how she's handling grief. She's so inspiring to other women who have dealt with a loss, whether it be a miscarriage, a loss of a parent, loss of a spouse. If you are dealing with grief or have had a loss like this in your life, this episode is for you. Hi. How are you, friend? Oh my God, how are you? I don't even know how long it's been. Four years? So crazy. So crazy. I've been following everything you're doing. Oh, and you too. Holy cow. Man. Like, I just remember us being like, what the fuck are we doing? And like, it's like so like, I don't want to say lost, but I think you're all just like, you know. Well, we didn't have help. Like, I remember I wrote about it in my book that like Crybaby finding that changed everything for me. Yeah. Oh my God, I read your book. That's amazing. Squats and margaritas. Yes. I wrote about how I finally found balance because when we moved in 2016, we were in San Diego because my husband was coaching at University of San Diego. We never saw him. And Amaya was a few months old. So I couldn't work out. And then you posted something in like the community newsletter about Crybaby Fitness. I met you and for anyone that is not familiar, you had a huge mat with all the things and nursery rhymes. And we worked out and the kids hung out in the middle and it was genius. And it brought me to you. And that was the only way we could work out. And a lot of moms that didn't have help during the day. Yeah, it's crazy. So that's how we met. And then as much as I hate spinning, you even got me to do a spin class (laughs) that you you taught. Like it hurts my butt. I don't like it at all, but I did it for you. Your energy is always so positive and I wanted you to come on. You're so inspiring. Share your story, share how you're balancing it all. And hopefully anybody that's struggled with any type of loss. Um, I know some of my subscribers miscarriage, the loss of a parent, anything you have been so inspiring and you're so strong. And I just wanted you to share your story. Oh my gosh, Erin. Thank you. You're welcome. Of course. Of course. Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start. Um, I moved to San Diego in 2014. I moved there um, after uh, my husband and I got married. Um, I guess I should backtrack a little bit. So my husband, Ian, uh, was diagnosed with uh, uveal melanoma when he was like 24 years old. which is crazy um uveal melanoma is like a it's a really rare cancer it affects like 2,000 people a year and we were just young and thought you know we got this we're gonna beat this so um we ended up getting married starting a family um moved out to san diego to start a new life out there and things were really great i started a business called crybaby fitness which is what brought me to you mm-hmm. um and so many other moms who were trying who were just like struggling with motherhood and trying to work out just for sanity so um 
everything was really great until one day, um, Ian had like back pain and we were, so he went to get it checked out and we were at the beach and, um, we got a call saying that he had, uh, tumors like all over his spine and that was causing the pain in his back and his foot to drop. And, um, basically that day just like changed our lives. Right. Because Mm -hmm. his cancer had metastasized and with uveal melanoma, um, the survival rate is like, I think like 10%. There's no cure. It's just really, really awful. And he was how old? He was okay. Well, at this point he was 20. That was in 2017 when it metastasized. So he was 30. Oh my God. Right. So we were both 30. I was, we had our first child, Izzy, who, you know, Mm -hmm. um, she was two at the time. And then I was pregnant. I just found out that I was pregnant with number two and we were like, shit, like, what do we do? So, um, we decided to go the, um, the route of trying experimental treatments because the, what the doctors were giving us, um, the, the only option out there just had such a horrible, um, survival rate that we were like, we need to figure something else out. So we just kind of said, Hail Mary, let, let's try this. Yeah. <laughs> and we moved to Colorado to be closer to my family. And, um, we, uh, traveled back and forth to Houston, Texas, which is where Ian received all of his treatments from MD Anderson. Um, I ended up giving birth to Theo during that time where Ian was really, he'd be really sick undergoing a treatment, but then he'd get off and he'd feel better. But it was just kind of this like period of, it's called anticipatory grief, which is actually what we are all experiencing as a nation right now with COVID-19. Um, it's kind of this like feeling of uncertainty and not knowing what's what's to come. Um, so we went through that period for about like, like a year and a half, 15 months until Ian ultimately passed away on March. 26th of 2019. So it's been about a year and a half. I'm still out here in Colorado. <laughs> um, with managing family? With, yeah, with my family. I mean, they, um, they live here, which they've provided like in, instrumental support for me. I could not do this without them. And I'm so lucky for that. Um, but <sighs> we're making it work. <laughs> you are. I'm like, like I... I can't tell you how sorry I am. I cannot imagine what you're going through. We, have, we both have a girl and a boy, yep. older girl. They're right around the same age. I know how hard that is. And I just like, I have so many questions. Like, did they, I'm assuming they didn't really understand what was happening. Did you talk to your kids or try to explain like what was happening? Um, Cause I know you moved to, you guys went out to Hawaii cause that's where Ian wanted to be. Like he just wanted to be at the beach and you had that time. Did the kids understand what was happening? So, um, with Isabel, she was three at the time. Um, we were very, very open with her. I mean, it's kind of scary for a kid, right? Like Ian got really skinny and he had tubes on him all the time. And like his stomach was really distended. Like he looked so sick. And so we just told Isabel that, you know, that's, that, that's what the kid cancer does. Cancer is not like an illness that you or me are going to just daddy got it. You're not going to, you're not going to get it. Um, you also didn't cause daddy to get it. So we just tried to break it down like very literally for her. Um, and yeah, like when Ian ultimately passed away, that was like so hard. Um, told Isabel, I said, okay, daddy died do you want to go say goodbye to him? And God, Emily. 
I know. And um, she at first was just like, no, like I don't, like I don't really, she didn't really know like what to think. I don't think, I mean, mm-hmm. none of us did, right? Um, right. I was like, that's okay. Like, let's just go, let's eat a breakfast. We'll just do our thing. And and then like shortly after breakfast, she was like, yeah, I want to go see daddy. So like we went in there and she just said, goodbye, daddy. And oh my God. Uh, how strong you had to be for her. Like you couldn't even feel anything. You had to just be like, like you just said, let's go to breakfast. You had to hold everyone together. Like you're such a strong person. I don't know how, like where (laughs) you find this. Hmm? But I also fell apart too. Like there's- Well, anyone would. Right. And I think showing that that's an option too. Right, right. It was like, I'm, yeah, like Izzy, I am really sad. And I want to say like- goodbye to your daddy. And even now, like, I mean, I get angry, I get sad and I just try to be as open with her as I can because we're all only human. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like, I don't think she, she fully understood the permanence of it. And I don't think she still does at times. Like she still has questions about like if daddy will come back or, um, you know, I, I tell her that daddy's up in the stars and he's watching over us. And there's a beautiful, beautiful children's book for anyone out there who's going through a loss um, called The Invisible String, which says that we're all connected by the invisible string of love, no matter like where you are, whether I'm just running out for groceries, whether it's daddy up in the stars in the sky, like we're still connected by that. I love, I love that. It. I'm a teacher that we can still we can still have a relationship with daddy, even though he's not here in the physical, which yeah. has been and then Theo, who is one, it's a different story. Like that is, um, he knows that daddy died. I don't think he knows what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, that's, that story is something that we will have to work with him on as we, you know, as he gets older. But one thing that I, I do want to be aware of is not projecting my, um, my narrative and my adult mindset on them. Right. Yeah. Like it's, I'm like, oh my God, they're, they're going to grow up without a father. Like, poor them. Like, they're, you know, like creating this victim mentality when it's like, no, like this can actually be something really beautiful too. And it doesn't have to be like this horrible thing. So just letting them kind of step into their own story. Yeah. Too, yeah. And ask sense. the questions when they, when they have the questions, like answer them as best as you can. Like, I just, there's no playbook, you know, it's, right. you're doing an amazing job. Um, I went, I saw something. Do you ever feel like, I know you do a lot of like yoga meditation. Do you ever feel like connected to him doing a certain thing? Maybe that like you guys used to do together or something where you can go find, go do that. Like do yoga for a little bit because it gives you like a strong connection to Ian. Yeah. It's been really something I struggle with a lot is finding that connection with him. Cause I think I am in such this survival mentality that it's like, go, go, go. I gotta, I gotta get work done. I gotta get the kids, you know, yep. fed and, <laughs> and COVID and we'll just drop a <laughs> pandemic on your plate. Yeah. So yeah, yoga has been the best for me in terms of connecting to Ian. It's, it sounds a little bit morbid, morbid, but it's Chavasana and corpse pose. I saw that. Yeah. I, yeah, I just like lie there and I like feel like I can just, it like brings me back to that moment of his death too in, a, in an odd way, but it just kind of helps me process that that really hard truth um, that we're living um, mm-hmm. and kind of like be with him in this strange yeah. It's, it's that's really, how I would see it. Yeah. And is that something you would tell people that, that's going through a loss is just to find something like that where you have that connection and know yeah. that you can always go to that and yeah. have that with them. No? Yeah. 
Absolutely. 100%. And it's going to look different for everyone. And to like, like, I, I remember in my early days of grief, like I would talk to some of Ian's family members or even just like friends who were like, Oh yeah. Like I had this dream about Ian, like he visited me or like whatever. And I'd be like, Oh, Ian, like, why aren't you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> like, I could see, you know, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It happens for everyone on their own timeline. Right. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I want to talk about what you've done with this and your, the move through movement that you have put out there. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So move through, I started that, um, right around like six months after Ian died, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. (laughs) And so I hired a coach to kind of help me, um, identify like who I was. Like this is like a rebirth of myself as well. Cause it's like, I'm no longer Ian's wife. I'm this, you know, woman with two kids, (laughs) like trying to figure out. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I looked at kind of like my interests, what inspires me, what my core values are and kind of came up, you know, like with, I want to inspire people. I want to like fitness had been such a constant for me in terms of coping with my own personal grief and it helped me heal. So I was like, I want to share that gift with everyone. And then another, um, another coping mechanism for me was just sharing my story and like writing about my grief and my loss. And, um, people would come up to me or people would just DM me like a total stranger and say like, wow, like your story, just like, I'm not going through what you're going through, but it made me think differently about like my life and how I can, you know, be a little bit more grateful or just, just just perspective. It gives perspective. And hearing those stories and knowing that like my story was making an impact gave meaning to Mm -hmm. this horrible, horrible thing that happened to me. So I kind of put all that together and came up with Move Through. And so Move Through um, connects anyone who's experienced a loss and helps them cope with grief through exercise. So what that looks like is basically I'm building a community. So I have like a Facebook group um, where it's all about supporting and empowering one another. Um, Could we kind of talk about like different workouts that like if you're feeling sad, maybe go to do yoga. If you're feeling a lot of anxiety, let's go do um go for a run or just how to use movement to really like not escape the feelings that we're feeling but to embody them and to learn that like our feelings are just feelings you don't have to be afraid of them and if you actually sit with them and feel them they teach us a lot about ourselves and um what we're going so yeah it's a community i also do a monthly workout here in denver i'm partnering with the studios that i teach at primarily but i'm probably going to branch out to some others and then um i also have an online course that is like live right now amazing yeah i haven't posted about it because i was like sick this week breaking (laughs) what do you have covid did we find out if you have it you have covid Oh, I don't know. Well, really, you're, you seem to be quarantined. But I feel I'm, I'm definitely quarantined. My kids are downstairs, and at any point, it, shit can erupt. So, oh god, I know, I know all about that. Um, what is it? So, it's just coming out now. Yeah. This is breaking move through, news. It's movethroughgrief.com. That's where you can find the course. And the yeah, it's an eight-week course. It's taken me since June to get this thing off the ground. Girl, whatever. Um, you got a lot it, happening. Yeah. And it just teaches you how to um, own your emotions and again, move through them in a healthy way because we're just too afraid of our feelings, like anger. Sit, like you said, sit in your feelings. Like you just want it to pass. You don't want to feel anything. And you're saying well, you should. Our society has this 
just, we're just obsessed with being happy. And in my grief circles, like it does us such a dis- disservice because it's like, it's so funny. Like people are like, oh, I'm s- but you deserve happiness or I'm so glad to see you happy. And it's like, yes, but like what just happened to me is a really horrible thing and it's really painful and it's sad. And those feelings deserve just as much reverence. Right. A hundred percent. Just suppress them and pretend that it's all okay and put a bandaid on it because the more you do that, then then we bury it. We don't own our story. And it can be this beautiful thing when we actually own it and say, yes, this was a horrible thing that happened. And I'm still going to always, I'm also moving forward in so many other ways. And it's how do we integrate this into our life and not just try to like cut it off. Right. That is so helpful for not even people like going through grief, like other people that are supporting them though. But I, cause I'm always like, like I've had like friends um, with miscarriages and you don't, you're all like, oh, just, you want to like, like you said, you want them to be happy and you don't want to, like you want to kind of gloss over it and just, you don't want to remind them and make them sit in that grief and it'll teach other people, you know, how to help people. It's not just the people that are in the grief. It's just how to, how to like interact and not try to make everything like rosy because we feel like that's what we're supposed to do as a friend. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's not the best way being there to sit with someone in their pain is like the best thing that you can do for someone. And especially with miscarriage, cause it's so unspoken. And like a lot of times you don't know if people have a miscarriage cause there's right. no loss. So they're like literally so alone and, and like, it's not like, Oh, Hey, like I had one, like, no, right. You know, I'm so in now I do all this research and the grief expert, there's a guy named David Kessler, who's like the grief like king. And he says, our grief needs to be witnessed and as part of like our healing process. And for miscarriage, it's like, well, how, unless you are willing to just go out there and, and just tell someone, which can be really, really hard. Cause that's of super cool. So, but that's when you find out that you're not alone and that you're, you're not alone in that. Like I, in my, I'll send you my book. I talk about, I had 20 years of eating disorder. Yeah. I talk about, I was bulimic for 10 years. Nobody knew. And cause it's, it's embarrassing. It's gross. Like you don't want anyone to know that about you. So when I was recovered from that. It was like, well, thank God, like nobody knew about that. But then I was like, I'm just going to share that. And I have met so many other people, like you said, like with DMs that are like, I have never told anybody else about my bulimia, but because I said it, I'm a safe person to talk to. And now I have this like community of women that everybody struggled, maybe not exactly with the same exact things, but body image and eating disorders, all that kind of stuff that they're like, I've never really said it out loud. But when somebody does, that's when you can connect and gives you permission. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It gives, yeah. I mean, same thing. Like I have so many other like grief or widow accounts, particularly who I follow because we all need, we need their experiences to validate ours. And then we need stories to give us inspiration and hope that we can like move through difficult situation, any difficult situation, whether whether it be some other type of trauma and yeah, it's cool that there's a movement towards that right now. That, and you, that you're starting it. Um, well, same with you and just well, <laughs> sharing there that like it, life isn't all sunshine and rainbows. It's like we no. all struggle. And then like the things that have happened to you, like it just puts everything into perspective. What you, life is so short. You don't know what's going to happen next. Why would you be anything else than your authentic self? Share who you are you, and you may connect with somebody else. Like why try to put something out there that isn't authentically you? And I was talking to somebody else and it's like, yeah, you're getting all these like likes and followers based on something that's not even you. So like that should make you feel, they're not, they don't like you. They don't like you for you. You have to be authentic and share who you are, especially if you're putting yourself out there, like in platforms that we do. And 
that's when it resonates with people, like your authenticity. And that's when you find like those close relationships and bonds. And somebody's not pretending that everything's perfect all the time, you, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's just not human. <laughs> I Exactly. I had um, more questions just about how you're handling things. Like I saw like the pumpkin patch post the other day, how it was triggering when you see, I, I this is obviously not the same thing, but I remember like I dated my husband for 10 years and we, I just wanted to get married and have kids and I'd just be out walking by myself and I'd see like a family and have kids and I, it would trigger me. It would just make me upset. And I, I, so I could kind of understand what you were saying. Are you those kind of moments? Like you don't know when it's going to pop up on you. How do you manage like, and you're there with your two kids and you're feeling triggered. How do you handle those moments? Yeah. Yeah. So the first year was really hard. Like it was definitely, I had so much anger and I literally like, I would go, yeah, I went to the pumpkin patch and I was just like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, everyone just looks so happy. And I'm like, why did this have to happen to me? Like, why? Right. You know? Um, and I think like in the, in those moments, um, especially if I'm like out in public or something, I just kind of try to hold on to that feeling. It's like, all right, this is there. Like, this is something I need to kind of like move through. Obviously I'm not going to like blow up on like this happy, innocent family. <laughs> <laughs> not going to um, stroll her down. Right. And like the kids, it is really hard. Yes. You know? Like there's been times where I have, I have kind of lost it. I've lost my temper and, and a lot of of it is because there's so much other stuff going on within me. And so I, Izzy, you know, I am so sorry. I, mommy's having a, like a bad day. I'm a little bit angry about the fact that daddy died or I, I'm sad, or I just try to name my emotion. And I say, I, you know what, next time let's, let's scream and do a pillow together. Let's do some breathing together. And so that we're both kind of trying to learn these coping mechanisms together. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like one thing I've been doing. But then um, this year, I think the, the trigger has been more of just like a sadness, which to me, like I've, I'm learning that, you know, the more you hurt, the more you loved. So when I feel that sadness, I can connect it and think of it as love. And that kind of makes me, it, it, it feels good, honestly, now, as opposed to like the anger where it was just like, just, just fighting. Like, I think I'm in a place where I've surrendered and I've accepted more of his loss so I can be with, just be sad about it and just miss him. Like you've moved through the stages because there's stages of grief. Yeah. Is well, anger the first one? The stage so, okay. So let's, let's, let's yes. the grief just a little bit. So yeah. they, stages of grief, when Elizabeth Kubler-Ross developed them, they weren't meant to be linear. So it's not like you'd experience one and then the next mm -hmm. one she did it is just which is misunderstood it's a they've been misunderstood over the years um the it's mainly just to sh um kind of show that these are like common emotions that we experience as part of the grieving process um but not to say that you can't experience other things too she just kind of wanted to try to categorize them so we're in the order is it like you're going to be angry then you're going to be or there's no order no order no okay. order. um i think that yeah like there might be some common ways, but like the grief experience is so personal. Unique. Yeah. Unique. Yeah. Your own loss. I mean, think about it. Just like think of how different we are as people. Like I'm doing all this, um, Enneagram work right now. And I'm thinking, gosh, my Enneagram probably dictates so much of how I grieve. Um, just because I, I tend to be positive and things like that's just who I am as a person. But if you're someone, you know, who is a little bit more of a warrior or just, like you're going to handle this situation different. So mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah, there is no rule book and that's why what makes it so hard. <laughs> have you been through, do you feel like you've gone through everything? Like there's, 
hasn't been like something, an emotion that maybe you thought you'd feel, but you haven't felt that. Maybe you I felt a different I way. Felt pretty much everything. Yeah. I mean, I felt guilt. I felt loneliness. I felt anxiety. Anxiety is one that goes often overlooked um, in grief. And I don't mm-hmm. think Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote about it. There's actually a book now that says it's called like anxiety, the missing phase of grief, because there's so much, there's a shit ton of emotions that we are not equipped to handle because we haven't been taught to deal with our emotions. Right. And like for me as a widow, like the logistics and then as a mom, like I was like, I have, I have to like deal with the estate. I have to deal with like now taking on head of household. Like if a, you know, was out in my house, the oven breaks, like Ian, you know, usually did all that stuff. Right, right. Um, having a job, dealing with the kids. Sorry, my kids are like screaming at me. I get it. And it's not like your kids are like, well, I'm sure you're five year old, self-sufficient. Like you've got young kids. You don't have yeah. like teenagers. I mean, you, I cannot imagine how you're doing it. And you're so inspiring. Like you're, you just, I see your post and I'm like, she's handling it. And if anyone can handle it, like your energy and your positivity, like just, I knew you could help anybody else that may be struggling. And even if you are struggling and you admit it, and that's, of course you are, you still, I mean, you get through it, you feel it, you sit in your feelings and then you are this positive, like support for so many other women. Like you still take that on, on top of everything else, like changing light bulbs and. (laughs) That's what kills me, you know, like that's what me moving forwards. I don't even know if this is question is allowed. Like, but like, do you think about like, when you're talking about one of the stages is lonely, do you think about like dating and yeah, did no, you talk no. to him about that? Like, was that, it, what an awkward, you I know? know. So it was interesting. I never talked to Ian. We never had like a, Ian never accepted the fact that he was dying. He couldn't do it. I asked him to like write letters to our kids, to letters to me, just like what is with mm. and he just couldn't go there. And I just followed his lead on that. Cause I can't imagine what that would be no. like, like actually just having to say goodbye. So, um, the only thing that he said to me about dating or remarrying was just Emily, whoever, if you end up like dating or remarrying someone, just make sure that he's a good guy. And I was like, Oh, Ian, like it was so hard for him to even like say that. Yes. Know? So we didn't really talk about it that much. Um, but, and I, but I, 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 I believe that he would be like totally fine with me doing of that. Of course, like, I do too. I think it would just be me. Like you feel, I don't know. It would just be, and how long were you together? We were together since we were 18. That's what I thought. Okay. So like to date someone that's not him, it's gotta be. Yeah. Okay. So I started, I actually was super lonely right around the six month mark. And I was mm. like, I was like, I gotta do something about this. So I jumped on a freaking dating app. Why not? Yeah, no, why not? I was just like, yeah, oh, you're shot. Like, let's go. And I went on some dates. And yeah, it's so weird, like trying to figure out, like, even like what you're looking for the second time around after, like, I was 18, now I'm 34. And, right. I, and I'm like, I have kids, like, it's just such a different thing. And then, like, I love this on the, on the, you know, the first date, they're like, okay, well, so you have kids. Um, so are you divorced? And it's like, well, no, my husband died. And mm. then the response that I get is like, one of some people are just like oh, don't know how to talk about it, so they just don't. Like, they I just, get it. right. I feel that way. I you don't know how to talk about it, yeah. or you don't know if Which, you should. Yeah, you're like, oh, should we move on, or should we? Yeah. So here's the here's my, my PSA on that. Talk about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you can give someone who's lost someone at least at least give them the choice, and then if if they don't want to, like they'll tell you. But I think just by like ignoring it, it's like no, this is something that happened to me, and it's. 
it's, it's a part of my life. So let's talk about it. Right? And I don't even seem it's like ignoring. It. It's almost like you assume that they don't want to talk about like, this is a sad thing. They don't want to talk about this. So you assume you're doing them a solid, not <laughs> doing it. But now it's like, yeah, give them the choice. That's great advice. Yeah. yeah. I think you can give them an out, but um, yeah. Or other people would just be like, so like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe you're here. Like, are you sure you're okay? Like, are you sure you want to be dating? And I'm like, I'm here, aren't I? Can you- <laughs> <laughs> I was not, not brought here against my will. <laughs> Super weird about it. Um, so anyways, <laughs> um, so yeah, I dated like around that for, or I did that for a little bit. And then I actually found a guy who I really liked and um, we dated for like three months and then he broke up with me over a text message <laughs> before the holidays. Awesome. But um, in hindsight, what that did is kind of like, I, so I was like, all right, I'm just, just try to like be by yourself. Um, see, like you have so much going on. Try to like figure out like who you are and what you really want out of all this. And, you know, reflecting on that experience, I was just dating out of loneliness. Um, right. And now I am actually, I've, I've been seeing someone, but it's really, really hard, Aaron. It's I like, can't. There's a, it's, I've written about dating before and I thought I had all the answers and I totally, totally don't because I think once you finally get into a place where you actually like start to like love someone else, it's like, it gets very complicated. Like trying not to compare that person to Ian. Right. I know that this is going to be totally different. And I know that I, what my needs are very different. Like Ian and I fell in love, like the Disney, like, the chemistry, the magic. We were 18. I didn't know any better. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now trying to do it again, I'm just, it, I'm, I feel very, very lost and I'm just trying to take it really slow. Um, I'm so sure I can't really and then- like listen to my heart. Like that's another one where like, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually dating someone great right now. And everyone's like, you deserve this happiness. And I'm like, I know I deserve it in my mind, but in my heart, my heart still feels like so broken in or or like I built like these walls that I don't want to get hurt again so how can I let someone fully in so completely understandable Uh, what you went through yeah you don't want to fall completely in love again like that's valid yeah yeah I I can't uh, and then how like understanding is the the new guy like KZ he gets it does he have kids he has a kid okay so he understands that he definitely holds space for me to grieve. And that was like a number one for me. I was like, I need someone who's a very emotionally intel- intelligent, who I can talk to about Ian. He's not going to be threatened by that. Cause that was an issue with the first guy I dated. Um, right. because that's just like, this is my children's father. This is a person who played, you know, he's always going to be a part of our lives. So someone who can really understand that and be open to that. Um, cause it is different, but also I'm trying to recognize that that doesn't mean that I have baggage either. Right. Like, I think there's a part of me that thinks, oh, I'm a widow. I have two kids. Like I, you know, like who's ever going to love me. And I'm trying to like reframe that narrative. Cause it's like, no, like this, this doesn't, that, that's not, no, you know, that's like, on you. you're thinking that nobody's thinking people who can hold space for me and everything that I've been through. So yeah. Yeah. And you think that's about, um, I think about the people like, I don't know, again, I don't know what things are appropriate to say. I'm just being like, <laughs> because you said we're talking about like people that lose someone like in a car accident, like that they left that morning and they didn't come back. Like I think about how you had that time in Hawaii as a family and you could say goodbye to him. And what a blessing that was that people that lose someone so unexpectedly, like in a car accident that didn't have that time. Like, do you feel that? Or do you, I mean, obviously it's still so unfair, but not to say it's like a silver lining at all, but you did have that time. 
I believe that it was, I mean, yes, that is the blessing of, of, of cancer, I guess. For some people with cancer, they didn't get that as much time as Ian and I did. So yeah, I do believe that that was kind of like a silver lining or that was, I mean, Ian had a beautiful, beautiful passing. It couldn't have been, I couldn't see like any way of it really being better um, for how that, how death should look, right? The fact that he got to dictate it. He was like, this is where I want to be. And you dropped everything and we're like, let's do that. We're his dying wish. Like you gave that to him. Yeah. Yeah. Like what a blessing that was to be able to go how you want it. Like, obviously on your terms, like this is where I want to yeah. be. And you, you did it for him. Like you moved to Hawaii. Everything. And- yeah. And yeah, to be able to say our goodbyes, cause I think guilt is another common feeling that comes up after grieving and it's the regrets the would have, could have, should have. And mm-hmm. when someone is taken so suddenly and you don't get that time, that is really, really hard to work through. Um, after, and I think too, when you, when you go through a sudden loss, there's the trauma of someone dying, which yes, I had my own trauma of having to see Ian get that sick and actually watch someone take their like final breath. And I like that, like that was traumatic, but I think like an accident or, you know, the way where it's like the phone call that, that you receive and they're gone. And like those moments you have to move through just the trauma and then there comes the grief. And so, yeah, I think like, my experience has allowed me to accept this loss um, a lot earlier on than mm-hmm. maybe most because there is like that talking denial phase really, really tough, I think, for people who go through those highly traumatic losses. What was hard for you is like you said, Ian wasn't coming to full terms with his death, but you knew what was happening and like to have to keep going every day knowing that and living that way. Like how I... I don't I know which yoga. is work like yoga, <laughs> yoga, yoga. I would swim in the ocean. I would go for hikes. Like I just needed stuff to kind of help like ground me and just, and so I wouldn't like freak out mm-hmm. because yeah, there was so much, like I wanted to be there for Ian and I'm not going to like force him to be like, Ian, you're dying. Like, you need, like that's not like you said, he okay. let him take the lead. Like it's his journey, journey yeah. but how ugh, I can't imagine. Yeah. It was, and then there's like the family that's all around that, you know, are telling, well, this is how we think things should be going. And it was just right. a lot. So <sighs> yeah, just tried to make space for myself to just, yeah. Like I think anxiety, anxiety um, is one of those feelings we're working out is like so instrumental for, right? Like, I have it now. I'm a, a prescription for it. Like I, yes. In the days that I don't, for me, it's more like I lift now like for my physical body, but I run for my mental, like I need to go away, run for miles, listen to my music, not be pawed on by two little kids so I can come back and be a better mom. And if I don't get that run in, like you said, I'm short with them. I'm kind of like just agitated and I don't, I need that outlet. And it's running for me. It's yoga for some people, meditation, but something for you, especially a mom of toddlers who never you don't have any time to yourself and they're still needy. And like you said, you're, you changed a pull up on this podcast. Like you don't, <laughs> like, we're, we're balancing all of the things. Um, yeah. Finding that thing for you, even if like, not even like on, from a grief pers- perspective, I, with my anxiety, I need an outlet like that to be yeah. a normal human being who is not jumpy and agitated. And just like, I'll just catch myself. I'll, I'll be like, what? And then my son will be like, mommy, and I yeah. don't even, I'm like, I don't know. I'm just like, 
some days if I don't have the outlet. Right. Well, and that's what I like. And I think so for anxiety, I think of it as like, okay, I need like that quick, like release or that outlet to just, cause it's such a high energy, like emotion. So like running, spinning, yeah. um, some sort of like a hit is like something that's really effective for me. But then what I've been trying to do more recently is sit with the anxiety. Like what is driving this anxiety? So, so yeah, like go, go get it, get it out of your system, but then still giving myself that time to like close my eyes and meditate is so I'm just entering this world of it. Yeah. but like just allowing myself to like just listen to myself like okay well what is driving this is this just unprocessed grief is this just too much like where can I like back off a little bit um so that maybe I can show up better and as a less like anxious version of myself like and that's been helpful too um yeah. to just take it like one step further and try to like really really like listen but it's it's really hard. It's hard. I can't imagine like quieting my mind. Like I am constantly, I write about that in my book. Like I'm mentally penning grocery lists for the next day and wondering about like I'm up and it's always on and I can't imagine just sitting there. And then there's the other thing is like my husband will take my kids for like two hours. So two hours out of the day, it's like, I try to do my podcast in there, get a workout in. And it's like, I would love to meditate or something, but it's like, is that worthy of the two hours? Like, what can I fit into these two hours? And now I can't, I have to go to the grocery store, do whatever I need to do without the kids there because it's COVID. You don't want to bring the kids in. So that is now cutting into those two hours. It's like, they're so sacred. And what can I do for me in those two hours? Also having a work responsibility. And then my kids are back. And if I didn't complete because I'm anxious, like I didn't complete all those things. I'm kind of like, okay, like they're back, but I still didn't finish this. And so I feel like I'm a shitty mom, I'm a shitty podcaster because (laughs) nothing is getting done. And I'm just like, not measuring up in any area of my life and right. that gives me anxiety. Yeah, totally. I, I hear you. But like, that's where I think like there, like for, like for me, this whole thing has been a lot of like self-identity work too. Like who, who am I now that I don't have this identity as a wife and, and even as like my identity as a mom has changed too. Like, I feel like it's just a different, it doesn't feel the same as like mm-hmm. a happy family. It's a different, yeah. a whole new, um, role, but like, I've just, I've had to get silent and even for 10 minutes, if it's 10 minutes at night before I go to sleep to just close my eyes and I, I can still, it's sometimes it takes like the whole 10 minutes just to clear my mind of everything that's going on. But but that's when I can actually, again, like reconnect with Ian, like come back to me and just, and start to get those answers. Like who, who am I? What do I care about? What? And, and also like that validation, like you are a great mom and you're doing all of it. And like that grace that we probably deserve that we do give ourselves, <laughs> we never, right? mm-hmm. But like, I get it. I'm it's right comparison. There. Like you see other moms who work, working from home with their kids, they don't have help. So it's like, well, I'm not going to get help because they're doing it. So I got to do it. And you just try to like meet the standard. And then you don't even know if it's like, it's like Instagram. It's like their highlight reel. You like, you see something that may not even be reality and you're trying to measure up to that. (laughs) Right. And I think, yeah, if we can all just be like a little bit, give ourselves a little bit more grace and just realize that there is no right or wrong way to do. And we just have to do what's right for us because, and that's really hard. Like this year, like I'm like, you know, I felt a lot of guilt about outsourcing my kids to like my parents or a babysitter. And, um, cause like, you know, like, I, I don't want to say this 
feel like I shouldn't say this, but I've had pressure from certain family members who are like, you, you know, your, your kids lost their dad. You're the only thing that that. they have and you have to be there for them. And I'm like, oh fuck, now you're going to drop that shame on me. Like, um, but like I've had to really tune into my own inner voice and say, Emily, no, this is what you need. And, and you just have to silence all that other bullshit because ultimately matter for ourselves. Like, yeah, you matter too. Yes. They've had that of a loss, but so did you, and you were taking on so much more and you can't pour from an empty cup to the woman who is dealing with a loss, whether it be a loss of a parent, a miscarriage, what do you say to them? I would say this to the, to the woman who is grieving in any, any type of loss, I would just say that whatever you are feeling is just right and that there is no right or wrong way to do this. So honor your feelings, honor your loss, find support so that you can make space to move through your feelings. Emily, you're seriously the strongest woman I know. Keep going, girl. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep inspiring other women. You're a great mom. You're an amazing person. And if you want to follow Emily, she's at Emily P. Bingham on Instagram. And you can sign up for her new eight-week course at movethroughgrief.com. Through is T-H-R-U. Thank you for explaining that just because someone's going through a loss, it doesn't mean they don't want to talk about it, that they want it glazed over. You are allowed to bring it up and let the person decide if they want to talk about it. And remember that, as she said, the more you hurt, it means the more you've loved. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to the Squats and Margaritas podcast on Podcast One, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.